So today we're talking it like as a fire, part three, if you want to follow that. Like as a fire. One of the reasons that I'm continuing with that title is because it's really the fire of God that has burned away the other things. The Bible talked about the Holy Spirit will come, right, as of a fire. He'll baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. There's a reason it's saying there that the fire of God will touch your life in a powerful way. It's fire that burns away things. It's fire that, that makes you warm. It's fire that we embrace when it's cold. Has it been cold recently? It's been cold a little bit recently. That's when we embrace and we, we embrace those things where the fire of God is warm. But it also, when we get close to fire, it begins to burn things away. You see, I believe that that's why people go, you know what, I want God, but not that much. It's easy to say that, but for those who say, no, 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 God, I want all that you have for me, that is when God really begins to turn the heat up, if you want, where the, where the thermostat begins to, to rise and the knob begins to turn. All right, let me turn up the heat a little bit. You know, as we've seen, you know, gold, to get the dross out, it demands a hot, hot, hot fire to pull out the impurities. You see, it's only the intensity of fire that begins to draw out the impurities not only in our lives, but the things that God says, you know what, that's okay, but I need to remove that so I can bring you where I want you to go. How many of you know that not everything God purifies out of your life is a bad thing? It's not always a bad thing. It doesn't have to be sin. It doesn't have to be the things that are unlike God. God says, I want to remove that because that's hindering you from doing what I want you to do over here. And that's how God does things. He begins to remove the very good things. I'll tell you, obedience is like, you know, and I've, I've used this example before, but it's kind of like a dog that eats good dog food, man, but he don't know what a steak tastes like unless he tastes one. When you begin to obey God and begin to represent and see the obedience of the blessing of God when you walk in what he's telling you to do, man, you, you don't want to go back to that. You want to stay over here where steak is. You understand what I'm saying? And so as we do that, let me go ahead and give you a verse of Scripture that not long after we came to the Lord, that, that the Lord spoke to me. You've heard this testimony over the years, but I just wanted to start with this. It's in John 3.34. The Lord spoke to me on March 14th, 1986 at, at exactly 7 o'clock in the morning after some days of fasting and prayer. And I'm not going to give you numbers and times and all that for that because then we create doctrines out of things. Well, if Brother Tommy fasts and prays as many days, well, then God, you've got to do certain things. That's how we create idols. Y'all getting with what I'm saying? No, no. Get with God. Let God speak to you. Let's take time with God. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God, and he gives the Spirit without measure. He gives the Spirit without measure. Whom God has sent speaks the words of God, and he gives the Spirit without measure. This is a verse of Scripture that God spoke to me exactly after nine years to the day after that Friday morning, it was on a Friday evening, I saw Monica and Neil was here. I, they were still at First Assembly there in New Iberia. Uh, her and John and, and Lisa and I were there. And that's when the Lord spoke and said, and he gave me this verse. And, and it's exactly how God spoke to me nine years before on that morning at 7 o'clock in the morning on March 14th, 1986. And you see, what he said was, for whom God has sent speaks the words of God, and he gives a spirit without measure. And so what I want you to look at today is I want us to read this. Turn here with me. And first, I want to go ahead and get in a journal here. See, this is some of the beautiful things about journals. I was speaking this particular morning. This is uh, the sixth month on the fourth day. It was a Sunday in the year 2000, all right, in the year 2000. 
And what happened was I had, in matter of fact, I think it was this Bible. And I had this Bible sitting on my nightstand, and I was studying out, out of the book of Acts chapter 10, and I was going to be ministering out of the book of Acts. And I had, it on, I had been reading some final notes on the Saturday night, and I put it with my notes inside of my Bible, and I put it on my nightstand. And when I woke up, that's what I'm trying to tell you here this morning, is what happened when I woke up. And I wrote in my journal, I woke up and picked up my Bible, and last night I had put my notes in my Bible at Acts chapter 10 as I was studying. Well, when I looked down and saw the verse, it was not correct. I was in the wrong book. My Bible had actually was on my nightstand opened up to a different book of the Bible. And it says, as I looked, I realized I was not in Acts, but I was in Jeremiah 29. Of course, verses 11 and 12 are so powerful about our future. Well, as I read, it was blown, I was blown away by the specifics of the verses. Abbeville Assembly of God is in search turmoil. That was a church that we came from. At that time, we were going, God, are you ever going to bring us back there to possibly pastor? See, you have to understand of how that was working, if you understood the context of that. That was our church for 12 years, and we thought that God might bring us back there. We just always kind of kept that in the back of our mind, and we were just open to that, though we didn't, you know, make every attempt to do that. We just left that as a possibility. And so writing at this moment, you're going, God, is that what you're talking about? Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? And it says, I feel God has been leading Lisa and I all the way, but we felt that it's coming to a head. Jeremiah 29 And, of course, some verses we're going to read here this morning. For thus says the Lord, for 70 years has been completed for Babylon. And I wrote down the verses that really spoke to my heart. And I'm going to give you some points here in a minute that I wrote down and what that really spoke to. So as we look at Jeremiah 29, let's start at verse 8. It says, For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Do not let your prophets who are in your midst and your diviners deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams which they dream. See, there were a lot of false prophets trying to speak in that moment to the nation of Israel. And God says they were all false prophets. Now, this is Jeremiah, the mighty man of God, writing this down, making those statements. For they prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. For, thus says the Lord, when 70 years has been completed for Babylon, I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you. See, they were in in captivity for that time frame. God was saying, you have to understand, you're going to walk through the process. If anybody thinks they're not going to walk through the process God is bringing you through, you're incorrect. You're going to walk through the process. Now, here's the thing. Along in the process, there's things we learn all along, and we do. All along, and we do those things. But God says, I have a process, and you need to be obedient. You have to be obedient at that moment in your process. Is this making sense? You have to be obedient at that moment. How are you ever going to be obedient later? So you have to be obedient now. And it says, look, it says, I will visit you, fulfill my good word to you, and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans that I have for you. See, we want to quote verse 11 and just tack it into everything that we do. But you have to understand that what God is saying is there's a process. Anybody want to go 70 years without getting the promise of God? Now, I'm not saying you have to be here 70 years to get the promise of God. Come on. point is that God was saying there's some process that has to happen and whatever that process is for you. And that's what some of the things I want to share this morning. He says, for 70 years have been completed. I will visit you, fulfill my good word to you. Somebody look at your neighbor and say that good word to you. And he says, to bring you back to this place. 
For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare or prosperity and not for calamity or destruction, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me. You see, that word then, you can't take that out of the sentence. The word then is there to say you have to walk through the process first before you get the then part of it. you got to walk through the process. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. That's when it becomes real. That's when it becomes real. When I woke up that morning, Lisa and I had been praying. We'd come to the Lord in 84. God had given me a promise. We're, we're on staff here at the church. God had made it real. We began to serve in the church in so many ways. And in that time, 1996, we come on staff. We're serving. This is 2000, 6-4-2000. And God is saying, right here, Tommy, these verses I want you to see in Jeremiah. I knew this. So look, I'll, these are the things I wrote down. I wrote down 10 things. I'll visit you and fulfill my good word. Now remember, at that moment, you don't have the whole picture. Everybody with me? Come on, smile with me. You don't have the whole picture. In fact, you have very little of it. All you have is a promise. But it's so real and it's so vivid, you could cut it with a knife. And nobody can take it from you unless you give it to them. The devil can only steal your promises from God is when you hand them over to him. Dr. Lynn has a teaching and has taught many times, and I think you really ought to do it very soon, and that is this. You need to do war with the prophecies that God has given you that you know are from the Lord, that you do war with them. You do battle. You know, man, I'm here to receive. I'm here to do battle. We come on Sunday morning. I'm here to receive, Pastor. I'm here doing battle that you may receive. That's the difference. We come every morning going, I'm fighting a fight that we may break through in worship. And destroy the, the schemes of the enemy that you can receive. That's a real battle. I, I don't want you to be down on that. That's just, it's just true. There's a battle that goes on. There was a battle going on that God wouldn't speak to certain individuals this morning to encourage them. And you see, as God begins to speak, look at this. Here's the 10 things. I'll visit you and fulfill my good word. Can somebody say amen to that? I will bring you back to this place. Can somebody say amen to that? I know the plans I have for you. Anybody want to say amen to that? Welfare, not calamity or not destruction. Can anybody say amen? By the way, those are promises. Can somebody say amen to that this morning? To give you a future and a hope. Can you say amen to that? I will call you to me and I'll listen, says the Lord. Anybody want to say amen to that? You will seek me and find me. Anybody want to say amen to that? Search me with all your heart. Anybody wants to say amen to that? Oh, no, wait, that's a little bit of commitment. Okay, I'll be found and restore. You'll restore everything to me, Lord. Can somebody say amen to that? And then 70 years. Whoa, I've got, I've got 70 years timeline. I'm like, I don't understand how that fits. I knew it was intervals of seven. That's all I could say. I have that written down. And I begin to write down the things. I, God, I just don't get it. And you want to start figuring it out. You see, for anybody who says, well, Brother Tom, you know, God just talks to you and you don't have to figure stuff out or you don't have to have patience and you don't have to wait and you don't have to. <laughs> oh, man, I remember one morning I said, God, I, I, I was at a place and I was not doing well. And you ever been anywhere where you're waiting to get in somewhere and everybody that comes in after you goes before you? I was, I was in one of those events. And, and as I was sitting there and I wasn't feeling well, and I remember I said, God, you're going to have to give me patience. 
And the Lord spoke to me just like as, as clear as this. He said, Tommy, patience is not the ability to wait, for we must all wait. It's your character while waiting. Now, how many of you know that I can't make that up? <laughs> I remember sitting up and going, I'm sorry, Lord. <laughs> yes, patience is looking much different. <laughs> but I got up and then I said, I began to tell Lisa all about it. And it says here that the next morning before I went to preach that Dr. Lynn prayed with Lisa and I. And it was just a powerful time in the Lord. You see, it was just a powerful time in the Lord. That's just one testimony right there. As we've read those verses, I want you to understand something that we began to go, God, what are you doing? I mean, you have to understand. You go, Tommy, why weren't you thinking about the ability to pastor at First Assembly where you've been for 22 years? You know? And I'll go, because one, I didn't think I was good enough. Two, didn't think I was qualified. And the list goes on. You ever felt that? <laughs> Again, it's not about so much how I feel. It's about what God thinks. It's about what God thinks. Let me, let me read this one first. This is where the Lord spoke to me during the time after the Headleys said that they came and they spoke and said that they were going to resign. And then, they, um, and then, of course, 30 days later, they were gone. But before I read this, and I actually have an audio thing that I want to play for you, let me read, let me, let me jump ahead a little bit and actually talk about when the church voted for Lisa and I and what that was kind of like. It was in January, and I'm, I'm kind of setting something up here. It was on the 20th. It was a Monday, and I was just trying to figure out God. Remember, see, when God drops something in your heart, it never leaves. So here we are. Um, we're we're, two, we're uh, two and a half years later, and I'm trying to figure out the intervals of seven. I'm still, I'm still in that. You understand? Because I know God said it. And I said, I just figured out my calendar because the board had made a decision on the business meeting night. So in other words, I didn't have anything to do with the planning of that night, right, Brother Larry? In other words, that was the board that decided we're going to have the business meeting that night and that's when we're going to do it. And I was really trying to stay away from that. I mean, I was on staff, still working as the interim pastor, but I was trying to stay away from the decision-making of those types of things, as you can well understand. And it says, I figured out that on my calendar that it would be 28 weeks, exactly seven months if we got voted in on the 26th, which was the vote. And I said, uh, I called Mark and Dr. Lynn and called Bobby. Those are three people I called Mark, Dr. Lynn, and Bobby and called them and said, I have it written here right here. Man, if that happens, guess what? That's what, that's what it is, seven months in the sense of um, an interval of seven. Are you with me? That's just one thing that it looked at. So as we read Jeremiah talking about how God is going to fulfill that, I want to go back now to something. After the Headleys had announced that they were going to resign, that Friday night, I went to a meeting where Dr. Fred Roberts, and I've asked you this um, before, Pete, if you knew him, he's from South Africa, but I don't think you, you're familiar with him. He's from your region, but I don't think you were familiar with him. And um, he had come to the States. He had um, numerous churches all over the world. But he was here in the States, and, uh, and he was holding some meetings with a pastor friend of mine who had invited me there. Now, remember, the Headleys have resigned. We're, you know, we're still on staff. They haven't actually left yet. They haven't departed the building, and, and we're still here. And I went to this meeting, and Dr. Fred Roberts was there. 
And I just talk about I got ready. I went to Harvest Church, and I just talked about the different things that he got up. No, wait, I, I have to read this because when I read it, I just chuckled. I said, I got to read that in church. It was a Pastor Govender. He got up and received the, tithe, the offerings for the meeting and introduced the ministers. And he says, don't say you're 100% behind the church when you're not even 10% behind the church in your giving. He introduced Dr. Roberts, and he walked up, and they began to speak, and I sensed the presence of God immediately. He began to teach walk. Anybody ever, you know what I'm talking about? That was just kind of my, <laughs> some of you have been around a long time. You know what that's talking about, that's talking about, right? So he's being introduced. He, he's starting to come up, and he's just walking up, and he's beginning to just, thank you, Jesus. And he maybe begins to start quoting scripture. Thank you, Lord that you said you'd never leave us nor forsake us. Now, you see what I'm talking about? Where you just begin to, you just begin to speak the word of God and you begin to, I call it teach talk. Maybe I, I don't, I've never heard anybody else say that, but I just call it teach talk. And so just as he talked, he was teaching, never opened the Bible, talked about the Holy Spirit healing and miracles. And as he was just in, coming on the platform, when he walked up on the platform, because he came like from a, the, the entrance door was towards the rear of the platform. So he came from that way. I was up in the front and brother Steve Governor would always make me sit on the front row and introduce me and all kinds of stuff. And I go, man, you got to quit doing that. I began to close my eyes and they began to sing, Holy Spirit, thou art welcomed in this place. I closed my eyes and prayed. I said, Lord, have him call someone out to encourage them and speak to them. Some of the greatest times God's met me is when I was believing things for other people. It's a principle that God wants to instill in each and every one of us. That there's nothing wrong with standing in the gap for yourself. There's nothing wrong with believing for you and your family. But don't forget others. Always begin to believe for others. I remember when uh, Dave Wilkerson was preaching in the streets in New York, and they were going for the lost and going for the worst, and that's how they said it. And Norman Vincent Peale contacted Brother Dave. He supported him in those early days with a lot of money. And Norman Vincent Peale contacted Brother Dave. And Brother Dave, I heard him say this. This is why I can repeat it. Norman Vincent Peale called him and he said, Dave, don't forget the rich. They need Jesus too. See, God says, I want you to stand in the gap for others. I want you to believe for others. I felt someone grab my hand. Now, listen, let me tell you something. I also learned something from that. Don't just grab people's hands. when I had, just, I had just kind of done like this and just closed my eyes. And when I did this, he grabbed my hand, freaked me out, because I was totally in prayer at that moment. I mean, just like a, it stunned me, okay? And, uh, and he began to speak over me, and he began to prophesy over me for what it felt like about 10 minutes. How many of you know a 10-minute prophecy is pretty long? It ended up being about eight minutes, and I will have a transcript I'm going to put in here. By the way, I need to transcript that and do that. Anybody want to help me with that? I'll let you type that up. It spoke about the past, the present, and the future. It spoke about ministry. It spoke about my desires for Lisa and I, what we really desire. It talked about the cost of obedience. After, I just knelt and prayed and wept. And I stayed until the end. And then after they gave me the tape of the prophecy, I went into the room and met Dr. Roberts. Brianne Nichols was there. I forgot Brianne was there in that meeting. And I got home late, didn't tell Lisa, and began to tell her the next morning. But you see, during this time when that happened, let me explain something to you. We were in the service, the, the uh, Headleys. And I'm, I'm going to play this prophecy for you. In fact, only a handful of people have ever heard this. Most of the board has heard it individually, 
but I've never played this for the church. And I'm going to play it for you because it's, it's so personal and it's so private. How many of you know that, that those things that are so deep and so real that you just go, no one will understand. But I believe that in these last weeks, I felt compelled to the Lord to play it at this time. I've, ne- I've never done I've had it since 6702, which, by the way, was almost two years to the day from the time the Lord spoke to me about the Jeremiah 29 verses. I was in a service right after that. The Headleys had left, and we were preaching. And I believe this was during the, in- yeah, this was during the interim time. And Marianne and Russell Rush had come to the service long before Russell, uh, Danny, you know, r- the Rushes. Uh, and they were in the church years and years ago, and they, they've lived in Houston for many years, and we're good friends now. This is what caused us to be friends, as a matter of fact. After the service, Marianne Rush runs up to me almost. She just made a beeline. How many of you know that ministers, when they stand up there and people make beelines for me, you go, okay, it's coming. <laughs> Whatever it is, it's coming. Here it is. And she walked up and she said, my name is Marianne Rush, and she's, she's Indian by descent, but she's, she lived in British colonies. And so she speaks in a British accent. And uh, she walks up and says, my husband, Russell, and I are here today. He came to church here many, many years before, which was great because she was trying to create a, a, a connection so that I would, I would receive from her, which is a great thing. It's smart. And so she did that. And she says, as I was sitting back there, the Lord spoke to me about you. I'm going to give you a word from the Lord. But I want you to know that I was sitting there. It was as if somebody was pouring hot coals over my head. And I knew the Lord. She goes, I, I, I don't do this often, you know, just I want to obey the Lord. But when it's that strong, I go, Lord, this has to be important. And she walks up and she said, and basically this is what she said. Uh, I couldn't, I didn't look for it because I have it written down. That the Lord's called you to pastor this church and to stand and to get ready. And that began to just speak of what type of character, you know, what God had placed inside of me. And the calling that God had placed inside of me. And I just stood there and just listened to her begin to speak. And uh, it's times like that where you just go, okay, Lord, you know, you just, you're just listening because there's a process that has to take place. And so that took place. And then the next thing that happened, is anybody ever heard of Clemson football? Well, some of you may not have. Clemson's pretty good size uh, college. And uh, the chaplain for the football team, Darren Bruce, Darren had made friends with us in the ministry. He was with the football team, had gone to a game, a football game, and he was in the airport coming home, and he called me. He said, Tommy Falk? I said, yeah, this is Darren Bruce. I remember going, Darren. And Darren, uh, the way we got connected is he worked at Fisher Project in New Orleans area, had a, a, a tremendous ministry to young kids and feeding and teaching, and, I mean, just thousands of kids there. It was just amazing. That's how we met him. But he was a big guy. He's going on to be with the Lord now, but he was a football guy and all that. He ended up being the chaplain at Clemson. So he called me, he goes, he goes, I don't know if you can hear me. I'm in an airport, but the Lord just gave me a vision of you and said, I have to call you right now. And I said, okay, um, I mean, what are you going to do? Except go, all right, uh, tell me about it. He said, what's happened there? I said, well, the Headleys just resigned and, and they've left. He goes, Really? I said, yeah. He goes, I didn't even know. He said, then this makes sense. He said, the Lord said, you're going to be the next pastor of that church to hold fast and hold steady that his hand is upon your life. I had no idea what it was. He said, I thought, he he called him Bruce. I thought Bruce was still there. So he said, I was holding back on saying that because he said, I thought they were still at the church. And I said, well, Darren, thank you for, you know, thank you for the phone call, Darren, you know. 
I mean, you just got to receive this stuff. You're just sitting there. Come on, how many of you know what I'm talking about? You just go, God, and you just take it and you just put it aside and say, Lord, your will be done. Didn't Jesus say something like that a little bit? Not my will, but your will. And I just kept saying, Lord, your will. And then Dr. Fred Roberts. And there are many other events like that that happen over and over and over again. The point is, is that it's still the event. Remember this, prophecy has to walk itself out. And prophecy has to walk itself out. So let me, let me tell you, if you put together, so what happened was when the head leaders resigned and left, simultaneously to that, the pastor that was in Abbeville resigned and left. Well, he didn't resign. He just didn't come back on Sunday. And the church was devastated. The church that we knew that we had, when Lisa and I, had, when God had called us out, I mean, it didn't, it, it didn't even resemble what it was in those days. And we thought God may be calling us back. It's not because we didn't have a heart for First Assembly. We'd been here at this point six years. It's just, again, like I told you earlier, we didn't, we didn't see ourselves as that, only because, well, one, we weren't pursuing anything. Um, we just thought God may call us back to our own hometown. And when that happened, the Lord said, now look at the dates. And when you look at it, it was seven, it was, uh, um, seven months for the interim time. That was one seven. Uh, it was exactly seven years. I've, I've got it written down. I think I, I can find it somewhere in here. I got it in one of the journals. It was exactly seven years from the time um, that we had left and then um, that uh, when we were at the church and then um, when the other pastor had left. And then from the Headleys and Brother McLeod, it was 70 months. When you put, when you put all those together, all, see, it was, it was like it was Pastor Headley and the, and the pastor there in Abbeville. And the Lord was saying, I'm going to show you how I'm, all of that speaks into it. I had, so I had one interval was seven months. I had one interval was 70 months. And one of the intervals was seven years. Now, all of this, you have to understand, I printed all of those calendars. I have them all and counted and written down every day. So if you all know me, that's how, right, Mabel? That's how I do stuff. I mean, in other words, and it is exact to the day. Seven years, 70 months, and, seven, uh, and, and, 70 months and, and then seven months. And the point I'm trying to make is, is that God orchestrated these things on and on and on. Anybody getting that here this morning? But let me, let me ask you. So just because God gave me all of those things to lean upon, anybody in here think it's been easy then and now? Anybody think that it was just, a, as Pastor King used to say, I got to quote him, you know, downhill and rosy? And he used to laugh. He'd say that. It's not downhill and rosy. One of his favorite sayings. And I became to learn that because it's not downhill and rosy. Had many challenges over the years. See, as God begins to establish things and he begins to speak things, that doesn't, listen, that doesn't make it easier. It just makes it more specific. Lisa and I were at David and Nancy Ravenhill's home during the interim time, and we went and sat with them. Veteran ministers had been through a lot. I mean, they worked with Dave Wilkerson when he started Teen Challenge. Of course, his dad's Leonard Ravenhill. I mean, he ran a YWAM base in the Philippines. I mean, we could go on and on and on, all the things that they've done. We sat with them, and I remember us just sharing everything, how God had been speaking, and I just said, man, can you pray with us? I mean, Lisa and I were just, look, we're, we're willing to do whatever God wants us to do, but golly, we, we just want to know what God is saying. We want to, can you stand with us? And I remember David looking at me in his living room, 
and saying, Tommy, I'm not saying thus saith the Lord, but I'm telling you it's been my experience, and I'm sitting here with a veteran, veteran minister, and he says, it's been my experience when God gives that many prophetic words and clear direction, get ready for difficult times. And of course, in our, in our youth, we went, bring them on. I will never say that ever again. And you don't ever say that. Fight the battles that are yours. Fight the battles that God places in front of you and get people, not only do you do the battle, but get people to stand with you in those battles. There have been many that have stood with us. You know, we've got our Tuesday morning ladies that have stood and prayed for us. That you prayed before we got here and you're still praying for us now. And I imagine maybe if God, God willing, you'll pray for us after we're, you know, after this season. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? See, it's important to understand that God works, but he does, but he's not McDonald's. Come on, I'm telling you, he's not TV dinners. He's not, are you hearing what I'm saying? He's, he's a slow cooker, but he's a good one. When it comes out, it's tender and it tastes good. But boy, in the process, come on, <laughs> y'all with me? I want to play this, this, uh, this prophecy. Now listen, I'm telling you that uh, it was at another church, and there's some initially early on, there's a little bit of background singing, and, but there's some things that are, that are taking place, and then you can see that the tone of it just, and you begin to feel it. But God begins to speak of when I was a kid all the way to that moment. And where God was saying and what he was speaking. And how he knew the challenges. And I held on to that. And like I said, there's only been a handful of people that have ever heard this. And I'm playing this for you this morning. Not to judge it so much. As it is just to see what God is saying. To see how God is leading. And how God wants to continue. How many of you know that I'm not special? I'm just like you. God wants to speak to you just like he's spoken to us. But these Last weeks of, of us as senior pastors, we're just trying to say how God brought the church to this place and how God is going to continue to bring the church where he wants it to be. And you get to be a part of that. And you get to be a part of, of all the things that God wants to accomplish. So y'all ready to hear that? Wes, if you'll help me with this. From bondage, did I not bring you out of great darkness? and bring you into light did I not bring you into freedom and into my joy did I not cause you to know great joy and great peace for my peace flooded your heart and you had assurance given by my spirit and you heard my voice and you responded and you said Lord wherever you lead I will go whatever you desire for me to do I will do it even though it may be to the ends of the earth I'll go wherever you tell me to go I will sacrifice whatever sacrifices need to be made wherever it may be I'll go Lord I'll go even if it be to the furthest ends of the earth, I will go. For that call burned deep within you, the call that I placed within your heart by my spirit. For I have chosen you, says the Lord, it was not you. 
You did not choose yourself. I chose you. I caused you to know that this is my will and that you needed to walk in it and delight to do my will. And so you decided that I will do the will of the Lord and you responded to my voice, says the Lord. Yea, I have been well pleased, says the Lord, with your response and with your obedience to do my bidding and to do that which I have purposed even before the foundation of the world. And where I placed you, I placed you there according to my perfect will. And you have been taught by me and you've been led by me and the provision of my hand has been your portion. Yea, you have looked and you have desired even more for you have seen that there is much more, much more. Your heart is hungered and you've desired more, more of me. But yea, I desire more of you. And even as I receive more of you, you have more of me. And I shall continue to work in your midst and through you. For the work that you do is not your will, but my will. And you have beheld and you have seen much which has delighted you. And on the other hand, you've seen much that has caused dismay. And you desired that my presence fill that house. And that the glory of my presence fill that place. And that many should come to a knowledge of me. Look not at others and desire to be like them, says the Lord. For I have chosen you, and I have called you to be whom I have designed for you to be, and to fulfill my will. Yea, I will continue to lead you, and you will see many come to a knowledge of me as you pursue the course of obedience, and as you lead people into that course of obedience to my will, and you shall see the shackles fall, and those who are acutely bound by the forces of darkness set free, you shall see them delivered by my mighty hand. And yea, my spirit works within you, and even that which you have desired, surely it shall come to pass, for you have desired to see the signs and wonders and miracles, to follow even the declaration of the truth which you proclaim, and you preach it and you declare it, and you ask, Lord, where are your miracles? And you desire them, for you desire to see my will done in the lives of men and women, to see them set free and healed, broken hearts healed and broken lives restored. And you desire the sick bodies be miraculously healed, and those physically blind shall see and the deaf shall hear. You've seen measures of it, yea, you've seen measures of it. But even as you rise up in obedience and you do not turn back, even as you've placed your hand to the plow to serve me, says the Lord, I shall fulfill that which I have ordained before the foundation of the world. And as you lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. And you shall speak the word with boldness. And the word in your lips is my word. And even as you speak my word, demons shall flee. They shall flee. They shall cry out in terror and they shall flee. 
And even as you lay your hands upon the sick, they shall be healed. And you shall merely point to the sick, and they shall be delivered. You shall point your finger, and the Spirit of the Lord shall come upon them, and they shall be set free by my Spirit, says the Lord. Therefore, don't draw back, and don't be timid, don't be afraid. Stand forth boldly. For I work in you and through you my will to perform. The choice is yours, says the Lord. You choose in your obedience to behold the work of my hand mightily through you. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Now you understand why I didn't just allow that to be out there all over the place. How many of you can say, God, Lord, I'm willing to walk out what you have for me, regardless of how long it takes? How many, if that's you, stand right now, if you don't mind, if you physically can't? 